you can listen to The Front on your smart speaker every morning. To hear the latest episode, just say, play the news from The Australian. From The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Thursday, June 1. Australia is falling behind on regulation of artificial intelligence, but the PM has a plan to bring us up to speed. The government will introduce sweeping new regulations designed to address global concerns about the Wild West of AI. She's been resolute and forthright, but the mention of her daughter was too much for Chris Dawson's ex-wife and accuser in court. Dawson is pleading not guilty to a charge of having unlawful sex with the woman known as AB when she was a 16-year-old pupil. That story first up. Do you need a break? That was the question from Crown Prosecutor Emma Blizzard to the complainant in the carnal knowledge trial of Christopher Michael Dawson. The complainant, who we can only identify as AB, audibly sobbed as she took respite from giving evidence in the trial. She had been describing an incident at the end of 1980 when Chris Dawson gave her zero marks for an exam after she alluded to their sexual contact in a written answer. We've used a voice actor to bring you her words. My friend who was next to me thought it would be funny if I wrote something exotic because we were involved at that point and I would have been having sex with him for quite a long time before that. I wrote something to that effect, and when he saw my exam, I handed it to him hoping he would like that. He tore off that portion of the exam and gave me a zero as a mark. I was a bit surprised by that. As a 16-year-old, you don't really understand why that's going on, but he just gave me a zero. This evidence will form part of the critical chain of events that the Crown will attempt to use to demonstrate AB was, as she claims, 16 and the year was 1980. Dawson acknowledges they had sexual contact while she was still a schoolgirl, but claims it was 1981, after she turned 17. That wouldn't be a criminal offence. Prosecutor Emma Blizzard said that in 1984, AB and Dawson married, and the following year had a daughter in their new home in Queensland. At this point, AB began crying, and Ms Blizzard asked if she needed a break. Yes, she replied, and the link was cut. Crown Prosecutor Emma Blizzard was taking AB away from the early 1980s in relation to her life and experience as a young grade 11 school student and was going beyond that moment and further into the 80s and she started recounting moments in AB's life post-school that involved her marriage to Christopher Dawson Matthew Condon is our senior writer. It was that, in my opinion, that prompted an almost inexplicable emotional breakdown from AB. She had been so cool, calm and collected every moment of her evidence thus far in the trial, even the few minutes we saw her prior to this tearful breakdown, she seemed in total control, very collected, very measured. But it was the mention of her young daughter to Christopher Dawson that led to an emotional upheaval and the court had to be stopped. 
It's a strange scene in court LG1 at the Downing Centre District Court in Sydney. AB, the complainant, is giving evidence via video link and her face looms above the court. On day two of the trial, Dawson was sitting in the dock, looking up at her face on the screen, forced to listen to her evidence without the opportunity to respond. At the end of day two, public defender Claire Wosley told the court she believed the 74-year-old was struggling with the long days required, getting up at 4 or 4.30am to board a prison bus to court and waiting at the court complex until the evening to be bussed back with all the other prisoners on trial. Judge Sarah Huggett agreed Dawson could remain at Long Bay, where there's a special unit for elderly prisoners, to give his evidence. He looked very similar to the first two days of the trial, except for one thing. So he popped up on the screen and the indicator beneath that screen simply said Long Bay. He was again in his prison greens. He was in a room that was uh, painted a, a sort of sickly pale green and blue. And again, he possessed a, a sort of vacant stare that we'd become used to in this trial thus far. And he appeared to me to have the face of a person who had either just heard something or seen something that he couldn't comprehend. There was a look of confusion on his face. It's not long ago that you sat very close to Chris Dawson for weeks on end at the Supreme Court proceedings. Did he seem frail or confused then? To my memory or recollection, it is absolutely light and day. The man that we are seeing today compared to the man we saw in a suit and tie in the Supreme Court less than 12 months ago. Back then, he did have problems in relation to his perambulation. He had a hip operation, etc. There was that issue, but there was nowhere near this sort of clouded, apparent comprehension impairment that he appears to have either acquired or something that has fallen upon him over the last nine months in jail. So he, to my mind, is a very different man. Coming up, what we've learned about the sequence of events in this complex matter. That's after the break. A troubled young woman. Her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases... Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. We learned something new about exactly how this matter ended up in court on day three of Dawson's trial for carnal knowledge. In her opening statement, Prosecutor Emma Blizzard said someone had contacted the Department of Education in 1998 and told them former teacher Chris Dawson had been having sex with a schoolgirl when he taught at Cromer High in the 80s. On day three, AB says she was the one who rang the alarm. By 1998, AB was a single mum of a teenage daughter living in Sydney. After graduating from school in 1981 and Lynn Dawson disappearing in 1982, she'd moved with Chris Dawson to Queensland. Also moving to Queensland at the same time was Chris's twin, Paul, about whom serious allegations have also been raised at this trial, and his wife. In 1985, Chris and AB had a daughter, and five years later, AB left the marriage to move back to Sydney, 
In May the same year, 1990, she made her first police statement in relation to the disappearance of Lynette Dawson. In 1998, she said she was working at Manly Court on behalf of a women's refuge. I spoke to someone who I came to know, and I think he actually contacted Pat Clear and got him to call me back. AB's statement to Mr Clear, who is since deceased, was her first official complaint about Dawson allegedly grooming and abusing her as a schoolgirl. She met with Mr Clear in June 1998, and later that year also spoke to police officers Damien Loon and John Pendergast. In 2003, she gave evidence at an inquest relating to Lynette's disappearance. In 2018, after the launch of the Australian's podcast The Teacher's Pet, New South Wales Police created Strikeforce Southwood to investigate claims of teachers having sex with students. AB said through a solicitor she contacted police and indicated she wished to make a statement about Dawson's alleged abuse. So a clearer picture is emerging of AB not as a passive respondent, but as the instigator of this matter. Here's Matthew Condon. It was interesting because it was new information that we heard that the Department of Education, so we're we're talking about a separate investigative body here in the late 1990s, had received allegations of improper conduct about the teacher Christopher Dawson towards a pupil. And we thought, wow, there was someone else on his trail back in the 90s. We learned through AB's direct evidence that, in fact, it was via a friend that she, in fact, proposed the information which made its way to the Department of Education and thus the lengthy interview that was conducted with her and an official from that department. So it essentially said the opposite of what we assumed, and that was that she was indeed the driving force behind this information getting to the Department of Education and uh, trying to push forward a proper investigation into Dawson's conduct as a teacher. Come back to the front tomorrow for more updates on this trial. And don't forget our newest podcast, The Teacher's Accuser, is available wherever you get your podcasts. You can check out our live reporting and analysis at theaustralian.com.au. Hey, I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component oh, of that. I, I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts.